Well, this is Mike Marchev, and I'm very excited today, very excited to have an old friend of mine on the line with me. A, uh, I'm not going to go into the details of how we met. It was very interesting on how we met. But I will say this. We met 40 years ago, and our friendship has lasted over 40 years. And not only friendship, but, but I've often called Larry Finkelstein for, for his, um, his experience, his ideas, his suggestions, his recommendations. And in addition to a friend, you know, I also put him in the, the first class position of, of one of my business mentors. Now, Larry is not a, he's not a consultant per se, in that he, he has walked the talk. He's, he's bought, no, he's started, he started and sold four successful businesses. So this gentleman, he knows exactly what he's talking about. And I thought he'd be the perfect guest on my program today to talk about two things. Number one, the selling, uh, selling skills or the selling profession, but also on how to, to build and grow a successful business. So it's two different things. Larry was quick to point out the other day that it's two entirely different subjects. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to fire some questions at Larry. And uh, I, man, the guy has so much knowledge, he could talk for the next five weeks. I'm going to be cutting him short a little bit in the interest of time. But Larry, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining me on the call tonight, knowing how busy you are, and you're, you're, you're currently uh, in the midst of another business. But let me shoot some questions at you, Larry. And before I do, is there anything that you want to say as set up um, before uh, I start shooting questions at you? No, I, I, I haven't gotten the check you promised me, but other than that, we're fine. No, the check is in the mail. That's one of the first oh, things. Oh, good. Should... Okay. Okay. I trust you. Go ahead. Check Let's go. We're good. In the mail. Now, in business today, you know, we're coming out of the, the, the COVID-19 situation and everybody has slowed down. It, it's, we're kind of turning the page and everybody's kind of starting up again new. It's, it's almost kind of refreshing that we can turn the page. But it, regardless of the industry, we all have many, many uh, competitors. The competition is intense as we start getting back into gear. And Larry, how does one position themselves as, as Seth Godin would say, the purple cow? How do we separate ourselves or differentiate ourselves from everybody else in the same game? Okay. It's a great, great question, Michael. Ba basically, you have to create a unique selling proposition. And what I mean by that is you're exactly right. You could pick any field that you want and whether there's a pandemic or no pandemic, um, you've got tons of competition. If, if you didn't have any competition, you know, there wouldn't be that industry. So basically what you really need to do is how, how are you going to set yourself apart? As an example, if I can use an example right now, what I'm involved in, if you can believe it or not, is a junk hauling and moving company business. Well, in New Jersey, there's 300 licensed companies. Well, what we do every day is our goal is to be one of one, not one of 300. So we're constantly reevaluating what do our customers need? What's going to make us different? You want to position yourself so that when that person needs your product or service, they're not picking one of 10 or one of 50 or one of 500. It's basically you and everyone else. Well, that's done in a couple of different ways. If I, you know, first of all, you're going to have to get just five points if I can go through these quickly um, and such. The first thing is you got to identify your market. Who are your customers? Okay. 
The next thing is you got to get them to like you, then trust you, then depend on you, and then buy from you. And very rarely in my in life, Michael, do we buy things, products, or services from people we don't like or we don't trust. Well, you don't go from an unknown to suddenly them trusting or liking you. I call it a bucker conveyor belt. And basically, you know, you got five or six buckets on a conveyor. In bucket one, you've got these 50 people who don't even know you exist. In bucket two, you got 50 people who know who you are. In bucket three, you got 50 people who have earned, who, who have earned, you've earned their trust. In bucket four, their needs arise. It could be a week or a month or two years later. And then they just move along the cycle. And then when they're ready to buy, which could be short-term or long-term, you're the one they're going to go to. Well, you got to keep all these buckets filled and moving along. And there's a process for doing this, there's a pro- which we can't do in 20 minutes here. There's a way that you go from getting someone to like you, to trust you, to depend on you. And it's basically, if I can give you an overview, it's identifying who they are and then giving of yourself. In other words, what I've advocated for 40 years is I, what I've trained five, six, seven hundred salespeople, I forbid them to use the word selling. We are consumer advocates who are trying to help people solve problems. That's the mindset that I try and instill in all my people for the last 40 years. And it's not just a bunch of words, because if you believe that you're a consumer advocate trying to solve a problem for the other person, then the rest follows very easily. If you see yourself as us against them, they've got money and I've got to extract it from them, it's not going to work. And the way you become on their side of the fence or their side of the rope is you first give before you ask for something in return. And what I mean by that is, and I'll give you an example. People call us now in the junk business. We genuinely, 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 Michael, teach them how to not have to use us how they can give away this stuff for free, how they could break it down and pay less, why they should use someone else. I mean, you, people would listen to this and they would think we're out of our minds. We spend the entire day on the phone. We get 40 to 50 calls a day on the phone trying to show people how not to spend money. Now, here's how that works. The vast majority of them are going to fail. Some of them are going to take our advice and some most will fail. Let me go back very quickly, Michael, to 1970s, okay? The same principle. Work for a major real estate company. Then it was major, 13 offices. Now it's nothing. 300 salespeople. I was in charge of marketing and and getting uh, uh, customers. I came up with the idea of putting on home buyer seminars. I had top attorneys, lawyers, mortgage brokers. We packed the auditorium with 250 people. We actually taught these people, Michael, how to sell a home without using a broker, step by step by step. No commercialization, no advertising. People were taking notes. You wouldn't believe it. It was a a 90-minute seminar. You'd pay hundreds of dollars for this, and you left with a notebook full, a, a, a recipe on how to avoid paying commission. Well, lo and behold, guess what happened? All these salespeople and brokers said we were out of our mind to do it. What are you doing? You give away the secrets. That's what we're here for. Absolutely not. For every 100 people who tried it, I'm making this up, 95 were successful, 95 failed. And guess who the 95 people who failed called when they were ready to sell their home? Because we established credibility. 
we established expertise and we came across genuinely, genuinely as consumer advocates. Now, we were planting seeds, Michael. Some of those seeds blossomed a week later, some the next day, some six months, some two years, some five years later. But we were planting the seeds of educating these people along the way. You do it with seminars. You can do a newsletter. Nothing beats one on, nothing beats in person. If people listen to me tonight and they're impressed with what they hear, they're going to be as impressed with the delivery and my enthusiasm as if I had taken this and put it in writing and handed it out. So the best way is obviously if you can get in front of your audience and basically educate and help them understanding it's a long-term investment. If you're uncomfortable doing that, obviously you could publish newsletter. There's a million ways to get yourself known in the market as, a, as, as an expert in the field, as a consumer advocate. And again, let me wrap this point up, Michael. The more you give, the more sincere you are in giving and helping, the more you'll get back in spade. Will you generally help people? Absolutely. But the vast majority will come back to you in spades. Larry, this, I, just, I can't tell you how refreshing this is to hear from you again. And I'm going to rewind the clock. I don't know if it's 35 years, but it's all of 35 years. But when I met Larry, I hired him to help me get a marketing program together. Back then, I was in the travel business. And we put together, Larry helped me, but Larry put it together, a booklet on how to select a corporate travel company. Not how to pick me, not how to buy from me, but we taught the people how to interview and select a corporate travel company. And that's exactly, exactly what he just said to you today, 35 years later. And it worked for me back then. And apparently it's working for Larry today in the junk business. But Larry, let me ask you this. 35 years ago, I was on an interview, a webinar today, and the people, some big shot marketing people, I forget who it was, Reuters, I don't know. They said, the latest marketing trends. <clears throat> now, how do you stack the latest? What's new today versus doing something 35 years ago? Is, is the old try and true still as valid today as it was back then? Yeah, here's why the answer is yes and it's no, Okay. You're dealing with human beings. Humans, haven't, humans have been on this earth for millions of years. We don't change in 35 years. We don't change in 100 years. You basically, 100 years ago, Michael, you bought from someone that you knew, liked, and trusted. Think for a minute, Michael, how many people have you bought things from knowingly that you didn't like or trust before you bought from them. Now, it may be subconscious, it may be conscious. So to answer your question, the basic core does not change. You're dealing human to human, humans buy from people they know, they trust, they like, whether they'll admit it or not, realize it or not, that's who we're comfortable with before we're going to part money. That hasn't changed in the last 100 years. It's not going to change in the next 200 years. Now, what has changed, okay, and I'm a perfect example of this, maybe the vehicle. I am basically social media, an, uh, uh, an idiot. Uh, that's giving me a compliment, okay? So I'm still from the old school of 
you know, in-person seminars, uh, 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 the, the booklets that you were talking about. I'm still maybe in the dark ages on the technological part of how you project yourself to become the expert in the community and give, give, give. That doesn't change. The method may change because I'm still, as we say, in the pre-age um, uh, of being online in the, in the media and so, you know, webinars. Right. I don't do webinars. I wouldn't know how to do a webinar. Uh, I would still be doing this in an auditorium. But one of the things that has changed over the years, that years ago, um, when, when the salesman knew his product, knew his service, and they needed the salesman to relay that education to the would-be consumer. Today, thanks to the internet, people, the buyer out there, can learn a lot about everything pretty quickly. So exactly. The, but, so they're, but, they're but not but leaning the on the salesman for that education anymore. Yes, Michael, because the salesperson, and we don't call them salesperson, we call them consultants. We don't we don't use, I, have, I don't use the word sales. Sales is an ugly word, okay? Don't use it any place, any time. But anyway, to answer your question, yes, they get that, they can read the information, but what's missing is that relationship. What are they going to trust, Michael, a sheet of paper? You can't trust a sheet of paper. People buy from people. People don't buy from sheets of paper. Develop, developing personal relationships usurps everything, trumps everything, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Developing personal, and I don't mean a backslapping, take you out to lunch. That, yeah, that gets you to like the person, you know them. But getting that relationship developed where they consult, listen, you can read medical information online. I have a problem. I may look at it. I'm picking up the phone, calling the doctor I trust, Okay. I'm not making a life decision based on what I read online on any topic. So you're right. Yeah. There is different type of competition. But at the end of the day, when you peel away all the layers on an onion, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. And if you take the next step where they grow to depend upon you, depend upon you, you have separated yourself from everyone else. I don't care how slick the website is. I don't care how slick the webinars are. I don't care the, the, the books and books that you can get for free. Nothing can penetrate belly to belly, one on one. And I might add that the, the word trust is so valuable, but it, it takes time. It takes time and it takes persistence and it takes consistency. consistency. That's why, Michael, not to interrupt you, that's why I said 10 minutes ago, you have to have the conveyor belt bucket. Remember, there are six buckets. It could take you a week to go from bucket one to bucket six. It could take you three years, okay? You're moving people along. You're starting out with people who don't know you exist. Bucket two is to get them to, to know you. Bucket three is to like you, trust you, depend upon you, buy you, and a consumer advocate. That six-bucket cycle, Michael, could be as short as one day or 10 years, right. depending yeah. on how much effort you put into it, depending on a lot of things. But the, but the process is exactly the same. Larry and I, over the years, over the 35 years of our, our business and friendship, uh, don't always agree on a lot of things. I mean, we've had back and forth and, and there's always two ways to skin a cat. But under the sales umbrella, I think we're getting closer to, to reading off the same song sheet here, Larry, is that in the trust 
uh, area of sales. What is your feeling? Because a lot of people reject sales. They, they, they don't want to go into, oh, sorry, I'm using the word sales. They don't like to get into that situation because of, of call reluctance. You know, they don't want to pick, they don't want to initiate that relationship. What's, what's your, your feelings on, on overcoming, overcoming, but there's another topic that we're going to talk about in a minute. What's your feelings on call reluctance? Okay, you mean now you say call reluctance on the part of the person who's making the phone call. That's who you're talking about, right? Okay, well, here, here, you can't make a sale if you don't pick up the phone. So here we go back, Michael, we can take this backwards. And again, you're right, Michael, we could talk for weeks and me and I can do that on one breath. Um, But it it goes back to how important is it for you to become successful? Do you want to be successful or do you need to be successful? Michael, we all want to be successful. We all want to, re- you know this story, Michael. I spent 20 years wanting to run a marathon. I was going to bring that up. I was going to ask you to share that story next. Well, well, it, 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 tell, it crystallizes everything in life. For 20 years, I wanted to run a marathon, never did. Until I woke up one day, true story, looked in the mirror and said, wait a minute, you don't want to run a marathon. You don't want to put the air. You want the medallion at the end. You want the cherry on the cake. You want the medallion. And I wasn't willing to pay the price to take step one. I looked in the mirror. I smiled. The reflection smiled back. And I realized I was just bullying myself. I wanted the medallion. I wasn't willing to put in work. Well, yeah, we all want to be top salespeople. We all want to run marathons. We all want it. If you don't need it and you're not willing to put in the effort. Michael, the difference difference between people who succeed and people who don't succeed, Michael, is two things. People who succeed keep failing but keep going. But that's not the big difference, Michael. It's putting in the hours. Okay? You and I could well you play the piano i don't okay i could learn to play the piano as well as you do if i'm going to put in the hour now i may have to put in ten thousand hours it may be five thousand it may be 50 hours okay where i used to think michael and i'll i'll be quiet because i know you have a lot of questions i used to think successful people had three arms three eyes and iqs of 180 it ain't true michael we all have iqs between 80 and 120 when I last checked, we most have most of us have one mouth, two eyes, two ears, and two hands. Okay, what sets us apart is the commitment, the confidence, the attitude. But if they're not willing to take step one and pick up the phone, if that's what you're talking about, that's just like me running a marathon. And the reason, and that's a great, great, uh, great answer to my question, Larry. But the reason is because we, most people, most people. Um, have a fear of rejection. Exactly right. Because, Michael, when you're picking up that phone, before you pick up that phone, here's the question you have to ask yourself. Am I asking for something or am I going to give something? Why would you be afraid to pick up a phone if you're going to give something to that person as opposed to asking? I, you know, if you can ask for it, sure, wow, I'm nervous. How, who of us don't like to help if you don't like to help people, if you generally don't like to help people, you'll never pick up the phone. But if your attitude is, and not as a con, if your attitude is, I'm about to help this person solve a problem, where, and if you still have phone reluctance, you need to find another profession. Right. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Now, there's three other uh, 
sales, selling related topics I want you to comment on. And one of them is people refrain from our career. You're a salesman, I'm a salesman, whatever that's consultants, whatever you want to call us. But overcoming objections. I don't, people, I don't want to overcome objections. To me, that's such an ugly term. What's your feeling right. on overcoming objections? Okay. All right, Michael, this might be the biggest point that you and I disagree on. And, you know, we've had disagreed on this for a long time. Hopefully you'll come around to my way of thinking in the next 20 years. I doubt it, but here <laughs> we go. Because selling is an art and a science. And this is the part that I, that I feel very strongly about. There's a reason, Michael, that 20% of the salespeople make 80% of the money because you have to learn how to overcome. You have to learn how to make the presentation. You have to learn how to have the conversation. You have to learn how to overcome objections and close on a sale. If you want to do a 30-hour, a 30-minute or a 60-minute webinar just on overcoming objections, I'll be thrilled to do it because it's formula. It's formula. And it's basically, Michael, you are, and you're going to hate this word, you're controlling the entire conversation without the other person knowing it. That's how you overcome, that, that's the overview for overcoming objections. But the way you overcome an objection in 30 seconds is, uh, and I'm not going to do justice to this, is you agree with whatever the person's objecting to. That person is never wrong. If they say the sky is green, the sky is green. You then show them, you agree, you exaggerate, you show them how to turn it around, and then you close on the sale. And this, this is, I can't do justice to this, Michael, in 30 seconds or 60 seconds. But, but, overcome, if you don't learn how to overcome objections, it's like running a marathon on one leg with one arm tied behind your back. Well, I think we're, I think I really do believe this, that we're on the same page, although the choice of words we differ on in that instead of overcoming objections, I would prefer to dealing with somebody's legitimate concerns. Now, okay, if you're going to spend, spend $5,000 and you don't have a concern of one okay. nature or another, you're crazy. Okay, Michael, you're you're 100% right. If if the difference between you and I is the works of concern versus objection, I'm on with you. But if a person says to you, um, I, you know, person says, I think that's cost too much. Okay, if you, I'll call it an objection. You call it a concern, but you have to know how to deal with that. Okay, you have to know how to deal with that and the long. And here's the interesting thing, Michael, that you're going to find, whatever business you're in. Okay, they're all unique. Let's talk about the junk business. We've identified six objections that come up 98% of the time, okay? So once you make, it's not like, yeah, every once in a while, you're going to hear an objection, you know, from left field. Wow, I never heard of that one before. But this is good news and bad news, Michael. The good news is, in most businesses, you might have three, four, eight objections in total, the most common ones. So the good news is, if you learn how to deal with them, you're going to be successful. If you don't, you'll never be successful. And isn't it true, which I believe it is true, that if we know those four, five, or six common concerns, right. Right. we address them before, before the client has a chance to bring them up. In other words, exactly. we've got all the eyes before. They, so we've already dealt with all the concerns. Yes and no. That's a good point up to a point, but you need to, they might not realize it. You want them to verbalize it. 
when Michael, here, here's something else, and I'm full of cliches. I apologize for this. When you say so, when we say something to someone else, they're hearing our opinion. You're here right now, Michael, you are listening and you're hearing my opinion. It's not, a, it hasn't, it's in the part of your brain that says, hey, I heard Larry, that's interesting. If I can get you by having leading questions or having an open conversation, if I can get the same words out of your mouth, coming out of your mouth, not my mouth, you register your brain as a fact. We believe more of what we say than what we hear from other people. That now a lot of people are uncomfortable with. That's steering a conversation. That's you want to use manipulate. I know these are ugly words, Michael, whether you want to call them objection, manipulate, but basically, this is why sailing is an art and a science. And it's so easy to learn, but it takes time. It takes time, it takes practice, and, and over and over again. But here's the beauty, Michael. The best part, you learn to, I'll use the word sell. You learn to sell professionally, you'll never go hungry a day in your life. You can sell vacuum cleaners, homes, real estate, travel, because the concept's the same. Remember, I talked about getting to know, liking, trust. I didn't talk about travel or moving or junk. You can plug anything into it when as a transaction, you'll be successful. If it's the people, you're dealing with people and here's the common denominator. And until, as long as there's people on this planet and it's you and I, yeah. it's the common denominator. You're hundred percent right. The um, selling, they, they say selling is a contact sport, as you agree, face to face, belly to belly. That's the right. best way to go. And I used to, uh, I've, I've quoted this many times is that selling is such a great profession or we'll call it a game. And that, yes. that you can't lose because you didn't have the sale going in. So the worst you can do, the worst you can do is break even. Now, right. customer service, you can lose a customer, you lose. Right. But in right. sales, you either win or you break even. And but again, lose, Michael, Michael you're, you're being very, very kind to the profession. And I'm going to go in a little different direction. I, I don't, I, I, I'm much harsher than you when I'm training people. I up front say, you're going to fail. F-A-I-L, 80% of the time. You don't have the stomach for it, get out. Well, yeah, and I agree with that. Failure, I, okay. I well, well failure. I mean, I'm saying fail, but, but, but failure's not I'm, losing, though. Failure's not no. losing. Well, to, to some people, it is. Here's something else, Michael, and we're digressing. You know, so beautiful, when you learn how to professionally sell, for lack of a better word, not only will you never go hungry again, but you said it's a game, it's like a game of chess. When you play chess, when I play chess, I usually lose. But when you play chess or check is, you go into it hoping you're going to win. You're going to try to win. And there's such a high. Forget about the money I make and all that good stuff. I got it for 40 years. There's a high because remember, Michael, remember what I started with. I'm genuinely helping people. I believe it in my heart. It comes across that way. I don't, if I go to bed at night and say, oh, you know, I connived them at a $50. I just stole two. They didn't need this. I don't feel good about it. I don't get up the next morning, but I am, I am sprinkling miracles all over the place by helping people. It's not a con job. I believe it in my heart. That's how I train my people. You just use the analogy to a chess game. And what I uh, equate it to, Larry, oftentimes is when we were kids, was on Easter Sunday, we would be so excited to come down looking for Easter eggs, colored Easter eggs, because we knew they were there. 
And the fact that they weren't under a pillow didn't drive us back to bed. We just looked at it under another pillow. And we were very excited when we found those eggs. And in business, you're not finding an egg. You're finding a livelihood. You're finding money under those pillows. Right. Michael, I don't know how much time we have left. So I want to make one comment before you, you know, I don't know when you're going to wrap this up. Okay. I want to share with you and your, your people who are listening, the single best training tool in the world to learn how to sell. Okay. It's listening to your own conversations. I've done this for 40 years. It used to be on a cassette player. We don't have those anymore. The best way to learn to improve. Okay. I'll give you an analogy. You're a baseball player that go in a slump. They go into the video room and they watch themselves over and over again. Any sport does that for technique, whether swimming athletes depend on video, their video to look for their flaws, to improve. It's the exact same thing in selling. You can read all the books you want, go to all the seminars you want, go to the webinars you want to learn it. The best way is to listen to your fail conversations. Listen to the conversations. You'll, you'll be blown away. You thought you said such and such. You will not believe what you say or say. Now, do it in the privacy of your own home. You don't want to be embarrassed. I'm not telling you to do it in an auditorium. But if you make a practice of listening to the unsuccessful encounters and you take notes and you understand what you should be doing, there's no better training tool in the world to improve your skills. I, I can't. I, uh, I, yes, absolutely. 100%. I endorse everything you said right there. And let's but here's my la- here's my last oh, point. So I know there'd my- be another one. I know there'd be another one. No, no. My, you know what the sad part is, Michael? What's I that? can count on I can count on two hands and two feet how many people I've known have actually done that. And I've given that to maybe not thousands, Michael, maybe close to thousands. And I get a you know. And you remember, and I know you want to go. You remember when I was in Chicago. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can I, I quickly do that? Can yes, I quickly yes. do that? I was going to bring okay. that up. Go ahead. Okay. So Michael invites me out to Chicago 20, 30 years ago. God knows why. And I'm doing a marketing seminar workshop. I don't know. There were 30, 50 people there. Yep. And, and I'm about to give out my phone number and said, if you have any questions, please call me 24 seven. And I think Michael O'Grant, I'm not being pompous. I came across pretty well. I think I made a pretty good presentation. I knew what I was talking about. I was very enthusiastic. And yeah, a couple of people hated me, but for the most part, they were very excited. Michael either looks at me before or after or says, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind giving out your phone number? I said, Michael, trust me. If I'm going to depend on the phone calls I'm going to get, I'm going hungry. Okay. And people came up to me afterwards. You got to do this professionally. You got to write. And I would say, just call. Any questions you have, no charge, call. Well, Michael, 22 years later, I'm waiting for the first phone call. I know that. I remember that. I said, I thought you're nuts. I said, you're, they're going to kill you. 50 people, they're going to call you. And you said, no, they're not. And here's my last point, Michael, and then we can move on. My last point. I've trained thousands of people. And isn't this next point interesting? I would always look down when I was in real estate or what, and there'll be a couple of hundred people in the room. Always in the first row, as God is my judge were the top producers taking notes. The top producers, and I would say it was Bill Rhodes, Bill Law. I remember these names. What are you doing here, guys? You know this better than I do. Larry, we always learn one thing from you 
every hour, every two hours, and the rest of the Schmendreckles either didn't show up or in the back doing crossword puzzles. So is the, I'll start this where I end this, Michael. It comes down to commitment. If you don't have the commitment, we all want to run a marathon. We all want to win the lottery. We all want to be millionaires. We all want a lot in life. But very, very few of us were willing to pay the price. And that's where it starts, Michael. And that's where it ends. If you're not willing to pay the price, don't bother starting. Larry, you are a real gem, a gem. And I want to thank you for, number one, 40 years of friendship. Number two, sticking with me today on my call when I asked you to call me. I was going to say something about your wife, Shelly, but I, was, I decided not to do that. That was that little pause right there. I was going to try to get, say something funny. but Well, Shelly's in the next room. She wants to know if you're wearing the same cologne. Same cologne. Tell her same cologne. <laughs> same bottle? Same, same bottle. bottle. I don't use I just save it for special <laughs> occasions. But listen, I can't thank you enough, my friend. And, and what, you said, what you said, it's a, it's a home run, man. It's a home run. It's from the heart. It's truth. You walk the talk. You know what you're talking about. Many, many people are going to benefit from the last 30 minutes of your dialogue. Larry, thank you very much. My pleasure, Michael. If I get ever help, you know where I'm at. Be well. Good night. I know. Thanks, man.